Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and thank you for being with me this Sunday. I'm hoping that your Sunday is going well and that this sets you up to have a really, really blessed week. So I'm very excited about today's show. If you were listening last week, we had Josh McDowell, and he and a friend of his have written this phenomenal book called free to thrive. And so we talked to Josh last week about the book, and this week I'm really excited to have Ben Bennett. He's the co-author of this book, and he is an author and a speaker, and he is the director of Resolution Movement. It's a global movement helping young people overcome hurts and struggles and thrive in life. And so he has faced addictions, trauma, and some other mental health struggles in his journey toward a truly wholehearted life. And Through many mistakes and missteps, false starts, maybe some restarts, Ben discovered some proven tools and principles that have helped him overcome the hurts and the struggles that hindered his journey toward wholeness. So he's done this for the past 10 years, and he's partnered with world-renowned therapists and ministry leaders and helping individuals young and old understand and work through the underlying factors driving those unhealthy patterns in their lives. So Ben's, you know, he offers this unique and fresh perspective on how to find freedom, healing, and a life of thriving through Christ and others. And he's also been a staff member with Josh McDowell since 2017. So we are really excited to have Ben Bennett. Thank you so much, Ben, for being with us today. Well, hey, Cynthia, uh, you are a legend and a psychotherapist, (laughs) and so it is a privilege uh, to be with you today. You know, you're a psychotherapist. <laughs> I've been through 500 hours of therapy and counseling, wow. and I, I nerd out on <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. Absolutely love it. So I know we're in for a fun conversation Absolutely. today. Absolutely. Well, I'm really glad to have you, and I, I can't tell you how thrilled I am about this book. I mean, it is really needed, and it's very applicable. So Tell me just a little bit about how you came to maybe come to this idea, how you and Josh decided to do this. What was the impetus of this? Great question. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, as we we started working together, uh, both Josh and I were sharing our stories with one another. Um, 
I was hearing about the uh, abuse and trauma and family dysfunction he went through growing up and how that led to uh, fears he had and different struggles like rescuing and not being able to say no to people and how eventually he started burning out while he was at the top of, of his ministry game decades ago. And then I was sharing with him about just my story of growing up experiencing uh, abuse, experiencing a, a family that didn't talk about emotions much, that had a high emphasis on rules, a really angry and, and disengaged father most of the time, and then the bullying I went through uh, growing up for, for my faith and and other things about me and how I developed these different mental health issues and struggles and eventually got addicted to food and got addicted to pornography, and uh, my spiritual life was having little uh, impact or change on my emotional wounds, my mental health, and my relationships. So there was this big disconnect um, until I started to really find integration there in proven principles and healing. So as we were talking about this and thinking about what was going on in the world, we said, what if we got together and started doing more and more research and shared our stories and met with neuroscientists and therapists and had people speak into this project. And what if we could offer people uh, what we never had? What if we could offer people holistic, biblical solutions to all kinds of things that would really help them find um, the life in, in Christ that they were designed to live that we often don't speak about as Christians? And so that's what we did, and, and we took our time <laughs> writing this resource. It was actually uh, a three-year process until the book came out, and um, so we're just, we're just thrilled with Well, it's a, uh, thera- a therapeutic endeavor. And, it was a therapeutic mm, endeavor for sure. Wow. It was. So much wrestling and uh, different conversations right, and right. stuff falling through with <laughs> publishers and then um finally, from day one, uh, HarperCollins has wow. just been behind this and believed in it, and that has just meant the world to us. Well, I think it's, I think it's so timely, and I'm so glad, it, in terms of just the way the world is, that it is so much more open to therapy, to understanding the soul, the heart, the mind, and, and how those all work together, and, and how to truly be a whole person. And it is, it is a, it's a journey. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, I mean, now how old are you? I'm 32. Okay, so you, you kind of, wow, I'm glad because you really got this sooner than later. Like people that are in their 50s and 60s and 70s that are trying to undo and redo things. Mm. So I'm really yeah, was, proud of you. That's awesome. Thank you. It was age 19 where I began either... Every week or every other week, uh, meeting with uh, a therapist, and have continued that on um, pretty much the past what thirteen years. Yes, good. You know, and I think that's all. Everything. It's also kind of the new movement I see with people that the stigma of therapy is gone in a lot of ways, and so people are really seeing it more as the same way that you would go to a fitness instructor for your body or a nutritionist regularly. You know, it just keeps you more high functioning. Yeah, absolutely, Cynthia. I, I came across a study. It was Gen Z Volume 2 from Barna Research, and they were talking about um, Gen Z, which is individuals, as they deem, 
born between 1995 and uh, 2015 mm-hmm. or 2017, I believe it is. And what they found was that um, in secular society with Gen Z, there's no stigma around mental health. Right, right. Um, it's, it's normal. You hear about it in songs and people talk about their anxiety on social media. And it's, it's just common language like, oh, I, I hang out with my friends. I deal with anxiety, I deal with depression, suicidal thoughts. And so the question is, if they are so open, you know, why why can we be so closed off right. as Christians? Why do we think that we have to hide the bet hide our bet uh sorry, hide our uh worst in um Right. No, no, I'm mixing this up. No, I know. Hide the best and show the rest. <laughs> or show the best, hide the rest. That's it. There you go. What <laughs> what a tongue twister. <laughs> That's um, so funny. Too much coffee this morning. No, you're absolutely absolutely right. mm -hmm. And so will we engage? Will we start to catch up? Will we start to, uh, you know, think about the Christian life and how we don't have to have it all together? In fact, to be a Christian, you can't have it all together because that's why you need Jesus. Exactly, exactly. So what an opportunity we have to deal with our stuff and then to say, hey, I know you're dealing with stuff too. Let's talk about what's helped you. Can I share how, how Jesus has changed everything for me and uh, really helped in this area? Well, and, and you know, I think one of the things that Christians miss sometimes and the secular world misses is that the whole, you know, a lot of Christian psychotherapists, we teach the same constructs in many ways that the secular therapists are doing. I mean, many of these are just... It's like you go to a, a Christian doctor or a non-Christian doctor. The, your body is still your body, right? So your soul, your mm-hmm. heart, your mind still has to be managed and tended to. And what's amazing that, that Christians are now realizing is that Jesus is like the glue. So you kind of do the work and it sticks, whereas the secular mm-hmm. world, sometimes it doesn't really stick. Right, yeah. One of the things we really wanted to do and, and we kind of hone in on through the book is this idea that um, so much of what we find working in our world works because it's rooted in the Christian worldview, how mm-hmm. God designed us. That's right. Uh, for, for example, and we explore it through something called the wholeness apologetic model, which perhaps we'll talk about later. No, I'm but, glad you brought it up because I do want to hear all about it. I love that. Yeah. Um, and, and so we can totally get into that. Um, but as we think about uh, what was I going to say? Relationships. Okay. Mm-hmm. You think about from day one, Genesis 1 and 2, we're told that God um, made us in his image and it was not good for man to be alone. Right. Even though man had God, right. that wasn't good enough. Right. What? Right. We needed one another. And that is, has, you know, been, that story's been told for thousands exactly. upon thousands exactly. of, of years, and now we look at society today when researchers are saying that loneliness is as deadly as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Oh my gosh. Yes. And, We're and, designed for relationships. Well, yes, and any of the studies that you know about attachment theory is that humans have to attach, and if they don't attach to another human, they're going to attach to an animal or a substance or an idea or whatever, mm-hmm. or even, you know, castigating themselves. They'll attach to that, and they'll keep harming themselves. And so yeah. it's one of those things where we really need to understand 
the breed of people. And I, I talk to people about this all the time, just like you said. It's like there's man, there's woman. God said it's not good for man to be alone. Didn't have to say that about women <laughs> because <laughs> we always have a group, right? <laughs> so it's really fun when you look at God's true design and how the closer we get to what that design is, the better our lives go. So we're coming yeah, up we're, on this. Now we're coming up on a break here. So I want you to think about what you want to talk about in the next segment. Any ideas? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we could close get. You want me to share them now? <laughs> <laughs> you got 15 seconds. Okay. I'd say let's get into um, people's problems or our struggles and really what's going on behind that and how we can find. We could get into those solutions that. later, but okay, that, yeah. I love it. Join us again in the next segment. This is Conversations with Cynthia. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and thank you for joining me today. And I'm very excited about the guest that we have today. He is partnered with Josh McDowell, who we had last week, and they have partnered together writing this amazing book called Free to Thrive. And it really talks about lifestyle. It talks about wholeness. It talks about how you can be the best you ever and and really being able to enjoy your life and your relationships and thriving in them instead of just surviving. So thank you so much, Ben, for being with us. And you know, we talked a little bit there on, on the break about struggles that people have and, and really recognizing that many times those struggles are telling us about, you know, something about ourselves instead of just condemning ourselves for those struggles. Yeah, something that I cannot stress enough, that we can't stress enough, is that our sin and our struggles are not random. I think so many yes. times we just boil our sin, our habitual sin, down to, oh, this is just who I am. I'm just not sanctified enough. I just don't love Jesus enough. It's just my sin nature. But what we've got to realize is that they're actually signals that, when answered, can lead to a flourishing life. They can actually pave the way to this flourishing life. And the reason is because there's something deeper. There's deeper desires, deeper longings, as we talk about in the book, uh, that we want to have satisfied. There's something we're hoping to get in them, whether it's acceptance, attention, safety. And um, one of the things I I realized in my healing journey was that we see this all throughout the Bible, and somehow I had had missed it for years, but one example I think of is is Job, if you're familiar with the story of of Job. In in Job 3, um, he was so depressed that he wished he had never been born, right after he lost his health, his, his wealth, and his family. And so his that depression, that grief, that, um, I don't know all he was feeling, but perhaps anger and resentment, mm-hmm. right. that wasn't random. It was a reaction to something going on. And uh, I think that sometimes we can be so unaware of what's going on in our circumstances or what happened growing up that we're just like, oh, I don't know, I've just always been depressed. I'm a depressed person. Um, but I would say we, we need to question these things. We need to give much more time to questioning our struggles rather than just condemning our struggles because they're signals that 
are to be answered, that need to be answered, and that God wants to answer to, to bring healing and freedom to our lives. I think that's really well said. It, uh, many times I tell clients it's kind of like if you were to ignore the dashboard, the indicators on, on the dashboard of your car. Mm-hmm. You know, how well would you, would you, would it work? I mean, if it kept telling you that it's out of gas, it's out of gas and you keep driving it, right? It, and many of us do that. Many of us that are more performance oriented, no matter how tired we are, we keep just pursuing and wanting to succeed and wanting, and we're workaholics and all of that kind of stuff. And so I think that's a really important key for people. It also helps the, the enemy of our soul to be less effective in condemning us, right? Yeah, absolutely. That, that I think, is one of the biggest things because I, I don't know if, this, if you have found this out in your life. I, did, I do and did in mine is that the more condemnation I have, the more I want to sin because I need mm. more pain management. Mm-hmm. And so the worse I feel about myself, the worse I do many times. Mm-hmm. as a way to just try to fix it on my own instead of recognizing that this isn't random, like you said, and that we need to check it and see what is it telling me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can get stuck in such a shame cycle. Yes. And, I mean, this is nothing new. We saw in Genesis 3 that when the fall of, of mankind, the, the shame cycle, which says, I did bad, therefore I am bad. And what I've experienced, too, is, um, shame leads me in to a bad decision, and then I try and get out by shame. I, 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 it, it's like shame leads me in, but then I feel so even more shame because of what I, I did. Thinking back in the day, whether it was drinking too much or, or pornography or, or overeating, and then that um, that shame caused me to avoid it for a, a little while. We call that the binge purge cycle, as you know. Yes. Um, but then I would just when I when something happened again, rejection or, or a trauma trigger or a need went unmet, and I started to go inward and feel shame again, guess what? I was right back to where I started. And so, really, only love can motivate us and get us out. Love and acceptance um, is the only thing that can really change that that deadly shame cycle. And that's what we see God do in in Genesis three. I think we often gloss over the fact that. Right after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God came after them, and he said, where are you? And it wasn't a, con- it wasn't a condemning uh, kind of question. It, it, in, in the uh, Hebrew, it means, like, what happened? Uh, wh- why are you hiding? You know who I am and how much I love you. I think that, I, I, isn't that phenomenal, that he still chases after us? And we're still many times running away and hiding. As if, like, you know, Adam and Eve, it's so funny. It's like they're little kids. They think that they can hide from God. It's kind of like the little kid hiding from the parent, you know. It's like he sees us as we are. And then he also sees what he originally designed us to be. Mm -hmm. And so he's so pursuant. It's it's really quite amazing. So what, what do you think about this whole thing when it comes to just... The the indicators in your life, the you know how how f- long we let those indicators go and how big they get before we do anything. Yeah, Cynthia, I think that if I think about my life and I've worked with hundreds of people now at this this point in my life, so often we can start to say, okay, 
those are signals. There is something wrong in my life, but not even know where to start. And so one of the things Josh and I wrote about in the book that we discovered was that there's these seven longings of the heart that God creates every single human being with. Um, there's these seven heart desires that, when satisfied, lead to fulfillment and flourishing and um, so much satisfaction. And even uh, so recently, Harvard released findings from the study that had gone on for about eight decades, and they were looking at what leads to the happiest, uh, healthiest lives. And I'm going, okay, eight decades, that's one of the longest studies ever done. This has got to be really important. Exactly. And what I can, I don't have to pay to find out the results. It's right. amazing. <laughs> and he said that it's good relationships that keep us happier and healthier, yes. period. Yes. And I'm going, yes, that's what God created us to experience. And that was fully fulfilled in the Garden of Eden. Relationships Until, with yes. God, relationships with other people, and these seven longings lead to those good, healthy relationships. And ultimately, that's what we're looking for when we are struggling and going to these unhealthy things, and um, we, we can start to question well, them and figure out what we're looking for. I think that's so accurate, because I tell clients many times, you know, un- you need to understand that mammals are relational beings. There's no way around mm-hmm. it. And, you, you know, you look at, back at that, what was the movie Castaway and Tom Hanks? You know, mm-hmm. what he almost completely lost it and died because he couldn't find the volleyball with a face on it. Mm-hmm. And that was the guy he was talking to all the time. That kept him feeling like he wasn't alone. So let's talk about the seven longings in this next segment. So I'm so glad, listeners, that you are hearing all of this. And Josh has so much great things to tell us, as well as his great co author, Ben Bennett. So join us in the next segment as we talk about. The Seven Longings. Well, thank you for joining me today. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. If you've just tuned in, we have a great guest with us today. This is Ben Bennett, and he has co-authored a book with Josh McDowell called Thrive, Freedom to Thrive, and it's quite a phenomenal book, very, very well researched, and it really helps us learn truly how to be the best version of who we are. So, Ben, thank you again for being with us today, and we left off that last segment talking about this idea of the seven longings, so I'm, I'm really fascinated by that. Tell us what those are. Yeah, so the seven longings are, are something Josh and I discovered throughout the, the decades through these uh, certain fundamental longings or needs that every human being has in common, and there's seven of them, but I wanna, I'll want to i highlight two, uh, given our time today. Um, first one is acceptance, and we define this as to be included, loved, and approved of as you are, no matter what. This is like a foundational need, and it helps people believe in the value that God has given them, that they are created in His image and they matter and they have inherent value. Uh, I think of Romans fifteen seven, which says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. That's a, that's a high calling. We're told to um, accept one another just as Christ has accepted uh, us. And that's a need we have that allows us to feel uh, belonging, to feel value, especially as kids growing up. It helps us be 
emotionally resilient because we can separate the who from the do. We can separate who oh, we I like are that. from. Say that again. Yeah. Say that again. It, that it, was awesome. We, it's so important that we separate the who from the do. Uh, I think of who we are versus what we do. We yes. can be accepted and loved regardless of our performance, whether our behavior is good or, or bad. That's the beauty of um, the gospel, that, that God accepts us through Jesus as we are. And um, that's what he calls us to, to do with others. Yes. Um, that's what kids need growing up. And that develops a, a resiliency. Um, I've seen that be so, that the lack of that caused so many problems because people end up being angry, reactive, anxious, uh, trying to look for some way of escaping because what they learn is that they're not accepted for who they are that they're defined by what they do, that they're defined by their grades growing up, that they're defined by whether or not dad or mom is angry at them at a given point, Um, but how healing it is when that acceptance um, from God and and from people, uh, as they have new experiences of that being lived out. Mm -hmm. And then the, the other one I'll talk about is attention, and this is to be known and understood with someone entering your world. I think of David in Psalm 139.1 when he wrote, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. God knew so much more than, um, had so much more than an intellectual knowledge of David. He, he was emotionally uh, involved in David's life. He, he cared about his thoughts and opinions, and, and that's how God designed us um, to, to interact with others as, as well. Uh, well, that, people, that, that's why they say, you know, negative attention is better than no attention at all. Mm-hmm. To, we got to know that we, we matter. Yes. Um, and we were designed to be fully known and, and fully loved to have this life of no secrets. This is why loneliness is such an epidemic. It's not a lack of friends. It's a lack of meaningful connection with others. Yes. That's what leads to, to loneliness. But how satisfying it is. Think about it when you have a, a life-giving conversation, when somebody asks you about your day, asks you about your interests and your opinions, you feel sometimes known and understood, and uh, nothing can, can replace that. So these are just two of the seven longings that, when fulfilled, truly satisfy us, lead us to flourishing, lead us into greater uh, relationship and intimacy with God and others. And, and when these things aren't met, we inherently will seek them out, whether or not we know it. Because um, Proverbs 4.23 says, uh, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. We're seeking these longings to be fulfilled, these heart longings to be fulfilled every single day, whether or not we realize it. But God has so much better for us. He wants to fulfill them in healthy ways. I think that's really well said. I think it really goes to the point of resiliency, because mm. when we have those needs met, we are so much more resilient, and our bounce back is so much better when we make mistakes. Yeah, and, and like I said, we can separate the who from the do. Yes, it, yes. We can so easily um, differentiate, that's the word, uh, in, in our mind, who I am from, from what I do, right. and I can be okay because I ingrained in me is I'm accepted, I'm loved, uh, I'm known, this is who God says I am. That's that's excellent because that that really goes to this idea that most I, I tell my clients all the time. Really, the best way that humans learn is by mistakes. 
So this is Conversations with Cynthia. We have one more segment with Ben Bennett, and the book is Freedom to Thrive, and I really recommend this. You can get it on Zondervan, and he'll let you know other ways you can get this, but I think it's really worth taking the time and reading. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And if you're just tuning in, I just want you to make sure that you can stay the rest of the hour because I have a really amazing young man. This is Ben Bennett, and he is an author, speaker, and director of Resolution Movement. And this is a global movement helping young people overcome hurts and struggles and actually thrive in life. And he has faced many of these things that he has worked through, which is addictions and trauma other mental health structure, struggles, and just different, a different journey that God has led him on to having a really, truly wholehearted life. So if, if you miss the show, you can go to the podcast, and your favorite podcast server, it, it will be on that. And I want you to hear the whole thing. We started last segment talking about these seven longings. So Josh, bring us up to date with that, these seven longings and how that plays out with people. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things I think about is how the Proverbs says, train a child up in his ways, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And so that happens with good things, but it also happens with bad things and, and negative experiences. And um, I think about a couple examples of people I, I've known and worked with and, and how this played out in their life. One is, I'll call him by the name of uh, Ivan to keep it confidential, but um, he, he was adopted from Asia uh, when he was just two years old by a all-Caucasian family in the U.S. He, he grew up in this rural part of the country. He was one of the few Asian kids around, and he was bullied so much in elementary school um, because he, was, he looked different. And uh, most of the days he feared for his safety. He, he wanted someone to intervene and to protect him. He, he longed to be protected and provided for. And um, those, are, those are a couple of the longings we have, like for safety and, and to be known and, and loved. And um, he wanted to be loved. And he wanted to know that he could go to school and, and walk around and, and just be accepted for who he was and not have to fear for his safety. But people didn't prevent that. People didn't stand up for him. So he had this, this deep pain and this deep feeling of, of shame that there's something wrong with him. So when I first met him, he was really closed off. Um, he, he was angry, just walls up. You could see it from the way he talked, the way he acted, just kind of was a, a loner. And, and when he met me and I started mentoring him, you know, he wondered, would I be safe? Or would I, like everybody else, bully him, uh, reject him? Would I confirm what he believed to be true, that he isn't good enough, that people aren't safe, that you can't trust them? And over time, what was amazing and what uh, was just that he began to experience that I was a safe person. Uh, as we became closer, he shared to me that I was the second man that he had ever trusted in his life. Oh, wow. What a privilege. Mm-hmm. I know. I was. And by the time he said that, I had noticed so much change in his life. Because he had all these negative experiences of rejection and people aren't safe, but as he got around a, a group of Christians who loved him, who entered his world, who were safe, who, who stood up for him, 
and me getting to mentor him, he changed. He, he was relaxing. He was joking around, opening up. He started to be more bold. And it's amazing to see where he is now, just living on fire for God, sharing the message of Jesus with others, hosting community events, and just, it's like he came out of his shell. And that was by understanding what had happened. How had he been trained up? How had he experienced these unmet longings for acceptance and, and safety, and then finding them fulfilled over the years in healthy relationships with God and others. That just changed everything for him. That's that's exciting. It's amazing to see how resilient humans can be, especially if they're given the things they need. You know, because mm-hmm. I know that you've, you know that you've probably talked about this, is the difference between a need and a want, you know? And when I say to mm-hmm. people, no, this is actually a need, it's not just what you want. You need this or you will perish. You have to have this. And it's when we validate truly the need. And you saw the need in Ivan. And you really, and you presented it to him. And then he was able to take it and keep meeting that need himself. That's a miracle. Yes, absolutely is. And I think that can be hard as Christians. Uh, a lot of times what, what we hear is, um, that we just need to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow Jesus, uh, that Christianity is the opportunity to come and die, you know? <laughs> and those things are true, but that that doesn't affect your needs and That's the fact right. that you're made in God's image. Think about, okay, that doesn't apply to the fact that you need food. Right. It doesn't apply to the fact that you need water. Well, we're not just physical beings. We're spiritual, emotional, and relational. So it doesn't apply to the fact that you need love and acceptance and safety. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I, when, when we look at the life of Christ, you know, mm-hmm. what he, he came and became a physical being, even though he was God, so that he could it really prove to people that he knows what it's like to have a need. And, that, and when he's dying on the cross and he says, God, why have you forsaken me? Because God looked away. And so the need to be seen by his father was one of the things that was helping him go through all the stuff he had to go through down here on the planet. And when his father turned away from him, that almost killed him right there. Mm. Wow. So it's huge if we don't know what we need. And we usually, you know, like you or I, we come from dysfunctional families that, that maybe are really good at meeting a physical need, like mm-hmm. you said, like food, water, shelter, clothing, but emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, you know, relationally, not at all. Absolutely. I think of um, an, another guy, I'm trying to think of a name to replace it, <laughs> Ethan. <laughs> I'll call him Ethan, um, <laughs> who uh, I mentored for a couple of years. And when I first met him, I was like, okay, this this guy has a heart for God. He's serving. He's leading Bible studies. He um, loves people pretty well, but he's so angry and reactive and high, high. Um, what's it called? Like explosive. Pretty hyper. Oh, okay. Yeah, hyper. Mm-hmm. Pretty hyper. And um, I started meeting with him and working with him and leading him through this year-long healing group. And um, he was struggling with depression, anger, and pornography. And as the months went by, we started to get into his story and thinking about the unmet longings in his life, some of the seven 
longings until they got unmet. Like, how have you not felt accepted? How did you not feel known? How did you not feel safe? Um, how were your feelings not affirmed by others? And what we started to realize was that a couple things. One is his parents said that he was too emotional growing wow. up. Yes. So there wasn't, they thought he was too reactive. So his feelings weren't affirmed. So he constantly felt um, invalidated. And I don't know, maybe that's why he was so hyper in the present day, overcompensating, trying to uh, have somebody um, fulfill that. Uh, another thing was they said that his grades were were never good enough, um, and so he constantly felt rejected rather than accepted. So what we started to realize in the present day was that his anger, his porn use, his uh, reactiveness, none of those things were random. They were signals. He was crying out for something that had gone unfulfilled. So he would start to get angry when he felt rejected when he would see his ex-girlfriend on campus walking around with another guy. He'd feel depressed and go to pornography after, you guessed it, his grades weren't good enough when he was struggling (laughs) academic. And so once he stopped just condemning himself and his struggles and started to realize what these things were about, he started to truly flourish and he started to find greater satisfaction and joy as he got around a safe group of people who could help meet those longings, and as he started going to God to meet those longings and having these new healing experiences. Well, and don't you think some of it is as as simple as finally we're allowing someone, you know, to have a need and and we're embracing it instead of them having to prove to us that they have it? It's like giving people permission, you know, all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. And, and it's sad that we have to do that. But mm-hmm. once they get that, then it's like they do begin to flourish just naturally. It doesn't take mm-hmm. that much work on our part a lot of times. Yes, exactly. It's like driving around on, on your tanks on empty and you're saying, I don't need gas, I don't <laughs> right. need gas. And how right. your car is struggling to keep going. Right. But then when you realize, okay, I do need gas, I do need fuel, you fill up the tank, you got a decent car. That baby's ripping around That's town. Right. <laughs> well, you know, I tell clients so frequently when I talk about knowing the breed and, you know, you have to know who you are. And when you know who you are, you know better how to take care of yourself. And I say to people, you know, you don't four-wheel drive a Ferrari, right? Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenal car, but if you want a four-wheel drive, go get a truck. Right. And so well, you have to know, analogy. yeah, you have to know what am I? What am, what am I like? What are my qualities? You know, what defines me? How did what, what ingredients did God put into me that mm-hmm. I can't take out and I can't replace? Mm. So, it, it, yeah, it really helps because people then maybe, they, it helps them kind of calm down and not have to prove so much that who they are is okay. We only mm-hmm. have to then answer for, you know, bad behaviors. You know, we have to say, okay, I have a choice in this and I chose poorly and so I need to take responsibility for it, which helps us again with resiliency because we're being honest. Yeah, that's so good. It's amazing what you can do with people. So what else? What else have you got? Who else? I love these stories. Those are are the two main stories that come to mind. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned what ended up happening with me, but I... I I was just going to say that. Thank you. Yes. Yes. You know, despite focusing so much on the spiritual disciplines and my spiritual life throughout college... I was sharing my faith. I was reading the Bible every day. I was memorizing all these scriptures about why pornography was wrong, why anger was wrong, 
uh, but I was fighting the wrong battle. I was so focused on my sin and my behavior that I couldn't see the deeper need and what needed to be healed and um, that God, you know, the things God wanted to, right. to reveal. And right. so for me, it really started with getting involved in recovery groups, um, finding a, a good therapist who was holistic, who understood neuroscience, who understood theology, who understood psychology, and what the Bible says about all of them and how God designed us to flourish. And so it was month after month, year after year, as I started digging into what, how have these seven longings gone unmet in my life? How have they been outright rejected? How has that affected my brain and put me in a fight-or-flight state in certain situations of rejection or potential failure when triggers come up? How has that led to fixed neurological pathways in ways of responding like muscle memory That's right. when I, with, with my, my sin or with anxiety, with these things I feel like I can't control, and just moving forward day after day and having people support me and having a life of no secrets was huge. Mm-hmm. Of, um, these guys in my life where I could identify the unmet longings and share that with them and just process emotionally and feel known and understood um, rather than just waiting and stuff snowballing and isolating and then end up coping. I needed that as well. And just over time, God began to rewire my brain and I developed new, healthier coping mechanisms in life. And it's been over eight years since I've come to pornography. And wow, that that's huge. The, yeah, it was one of the hardest things I would say in, in my life to, to overcome. Um, but, but, God did it in my life through these prison through these proven principles that right, we, right. we reveal in, in the book. Well, you know, we are to the end of this hour. I could go on for another hour, but unfortunately, we are to the end of this hour. Uh, ben, thank you for being with us today. It's been very encouraging and enlightening and inspiring, and I'm very impressed by you, and I'm I'm excited for what God is doing in you and through you and in your life. So God bless you. And I will make sure that readers know how to get your book and how to find you and really take advantage of the resources that you have. So thank you for being with us today. And you are listening again to Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you go to the podcast server that it it works for you. has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be-